Welcome to the weekly podcast of Calvary Chapel, South London. A church where the truth of God's word meets and transforms the reality of our daily lives. We hope you are impacted by this week's teaching. Father, thank you for just the wonderful opportunity to come together again and to be... To be in the household of God. That's not in this building as wonderful and as glorious as it is. um, But it's being members one of another. In the body that Christ Jesus is knitting together. The body called his church. And we're grateful Lord. We need to be people who are thankful Lord. Because you've done so much for us. So would you help us to take a minute just to consider how good you are as we look at your word, as we sit at the feet of Jesus, um, seeking, Lord, your face, seeking your will as we look at your word today. Would you please, by your spirit, speak to us, Lord, in ways that would be profound and ways that would be personal. But Lord, also, would you speak to us as a congregation for the sake of the Lord Jesus and his wonderful sacrifice for his sake he's worth it we're not he's made us worthy but we're not asking because of us we're asking because of jesus father we know that's a prayer that 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 you won't despise so meet with us today we pray amen amen welcome my name's robert i'm one of the pastors here and we are in the process of going through a series called god's healthy household Oh my goodness, how did that get up there? Right, it's supposed to actually be <laughs> Neighbours from Hell. That's actually the topic today. I don't know how that one got up there. See, that goes to show that I'm not very well prepared this afternoon. Neighbours from Hell is our, is our topic. Based on, again, this whole theme of the household of God. Now, it's not just what goes on inside the house. I don't wonder if you could just turn me down a little bit. It feels a bit loud. I'm not sure how it seems to you, but it's not just what goes on inside the house, but also that which goes on outside, even next door. I'm going to talk about infernal, external influences. And we're looking at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 to 5. So if you want to turn there, I had it open, I'm going to read from, from just those few verses. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1 to 5. Now the Spirit expressly says, I'm reading from the ESV, that in latter or later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. 
don't get involved with religion unless it's the right one. Because the effects on your life could be devastating. And you might say, of course, Pastor Rob, I'd never get involved with Islam, worshiping in a mosque. I'd never get involved with Hinduism, worshiping in a temple. I'd never get involved in Jehovah's Witnesses and go worship at the Kingdom Hall. Yeah, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people like you who sit in a Christian congregation, who have Christian conversation. Now, it's going to get really, really uncomfortable in here in a minute. You and I can read the Bible wrongly and end up deceived even though you pray in the name of Jesus. I'm not even joking. And some of you here sitting in this room under the sound of my voice will not be here next year. Now, not just in Calvary Chapel, South London, but potentially in any church. For some of you, you won't not be here because it's too cold. Even with the heat in working, which it is. For some, you won't be here because some, some, some waste man, brother, some guy broke your heart. For some, you won't be here because someone from the pulpit offends you. <laughs> you probably won't. Talk about next year. You probably won't be here next week. <laughs> Right? If I offend you, let alone next year. For some, you won't be back because you're not committed. You're an immature church hopper. And you know what they say. They say if you find the perfect church, it ceases to be the perfect church because you joined. There's no perfect church because every church is filled with people like me, people like you who are imperfect. Amen. There you go, I just saved you five years of church hopping, hallelujah. <laughs> now you might say, Pastor Rob, you know what? I don't fall into the category of any of those that you just described. I know. For you, the reason you won't be back is because of your religion. Because of your bad religion. You hold Bible beliefs that are not biblical. Now that doesn't even sound right, does it? You hold Bible beliefs that are not biblical. And I can say that because there are people who were here last year who are not here now. For that very same reason. See, what is it that you really, really believe? You'd be like, how can you say that, Pastor Rob? I believe in the Bible. Well, how comes we can't see that in your behavior? And the litmus test is, will you be around next year? And will you be more like Jesus next year? At least than you are now, than I am now. 
or see, the, the question I want to ask is, or is there a demon whispering in your ear that you potentially are giving attention to? We're talking about devilish neighbors from hell. Now, as we've been exploring this letter, we've seen a few things emphasized. The letter is addressed to Timothy, having been written by the Apostle Paul, and the focus is on the church in Ephesus, right, which is in modern-day Turkey, that doesn't actually exist anymore. They never actually took heed to the things that Paul was saying through Timothy. But we can, we can suggest that we're a church, and I'm saying, and we know that that letter to that church is just as applicable to us as a church as it was to them. May God help us to take heed to that which is being said. And the church that was then in Ephesus, a church, although not lacking in leadership, was devoid of good leaders. And these leaders, these unfaithful leaders, these unfaithful teachers are leading Christians astray, which has resulted in the church increasingly becoming more unhealthy. That's why we're trying to, we're trying to correct that by saying we want a healthy household. In chapter 1, we saw the Lord Jesus charge Paul, who then went on to charge Timothy to correct the error that was being taught in the church, right? In chapter 2, Paul addresses bad behavior, which is the direct result of bad beliefs. And that might be true of you. You might have good theology in your head, but it hasn't dropped 18 inches down into your heart. And Paul talks, he deals with the issue of public prayer and the mandem in chapter 2. And then also he deals with the women in public worship. Then in chapter 3, he talks about the qualifications and the expectations of elders and deacons. See, this is so relevant for us now, right now in terms of where we're at. Yesterday we had a, a meeting um, for the team leaders in, in Calvary Chapel, South London looking at expectations of deacons. This speaks to us today. Pastor P smashed it two weeks ago, talking about deacons, servants. Then Pastor E killed it last week, right? But killed it last week, looking at the key verse for the book, which is 1 Timothy 3. Remember? Just glance your eyes back at verse 14 through 15 of the previous chapter, right? Verse 14, I hope to come to you soon, says Paul. See, that's fighting talk. That's Paul like, you know what? I need to get there because of what's going on. And, and he says, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to what? Behave in where? In the household of God. That's where we get the theme for this book, God's Healthy Household. Central verse. And Timothy, that's Paul's companion and faithful son in the faith, is left here to deal with some big issues. Now, in the first chapter of this book, we heard Paul talk about an issue that he now returns to in a more specific sense. False teachers who teach false doctrine. And the effect of the false teaching is seen in verse 1. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will what? Depart from the faith. 
He's not saying this may happen. He says it will happen. And that's the result of this poisonous teaching. People walking away from Jesus. Why? People departing from the faith, walking away from... Why? Well, there are two sides to this. Because, one, there are those who think that they're walking with Jesus, but are not. It's the whole Matthew 7 thing, right? At the end of their lives, there's going to be a big surprise at the judgment where Jesus says, yo, I know you went to church, but I don't know you. Actually, he doesn't say I don't know you. He says, I never knew you. And then the second thing is those who blatantly walk... So, did you catch that? I'm describing a group of people who are in church, but they're not saved. Then the second group, they blatantly walk away from Jesus and turn their back on him to live a sinful life. But guess what? Like the first group, they're still in church. Two types of people who eventually end up going to the same place. Why? Because they devote themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. And they end up departing from the faith. Or either back to a lifestyle of sin. But both still come into church. Imagine you're, with, you're walking with Jesus as it were, yeah? And the problem is he turns left and you turn right. But you don't realize that he turned left and you turned right. And you're still there talking to Jesus who's not there. That's the first person. And the other person is this religious person. This religious Pharisee who points the finger at everyone apart from themselves. And in both cases is deception. What a waste of time being here And really and truly, you're in love with your sin. David said, Lord, deliver me from my enemies. If sin is your friend, guess what God ain't going to do? He ain't going to deliver you because he delivers you from your enemies. And then on the other hand, you've got the person who's pointing a finger, the Pharisee, every single little thing they want to highlight. And both of these individuals are deceived. The Holy Spirit expressly warns us of this in verse 1. He does it distinctly, implicitly, unmistakably. And he's been saying it for years, at least at this point. He said it through the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 24. Hopefully this thing will work now. Amen. Matthew 24 Verse 4, and Jesus answered them, see that no one does what? Leads you astray. Now look at how many times this comes up. Verse 5, for many will come in my name, not a few, many, saying that under Christ, they're going to proper act like they're representing me, and they will what? Lead, not a few, you know, many astray. Verse 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation. Jesus is speaking to the disciples at this point, right? Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away 
and betray one another and hate one another. Verse 11, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness, verse 12, will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Verse 24, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand, says the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit speaking through the lips of the Lord Jesus. How many times? Five times in 21 verses in the same chapter. Can you hear the voice of the Spirit? And just in case you think that the last days are some distant point in the future, 2050 or whatever, read Acts chapter 2. As Peter quotes from the prophet Joel, declaring that the last days began 2,000 years ago. At the day of Pentecost with the outpouring of the Spirit. We are 2,000 years into the last days. <laughs> we are in the last of the last days. Therefore, this warning is even more pertinent. Can you hear the voice of the Spirit? Can you hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches? What the Spirit is saying to the church? Our church. And who makes up the church? Me and you. Can you hear what the Spirit is saying to you? Notice, the warning isn't to unbelievers. It's to believers, those who are called Christians, even to those that might call themselves the elect. This is for you if you're a baby Christian and particularly if you, you, if you see yourself as a scholar. Because sometimes when we think that we know, we check out. My stepdad used to say, um, he who thinks that he knows, knows not that he knows not. He's a fool, shun him. I don't know if the last part's right, but the first part's right. You know what I mean? See, if you think you're a scholar, you need to listen even more carefully. Because it's, it's, we're depending on you. You know what I'm saying? You who are familiar with the word of God. You who are a granddad in the place, in God's word. You know what I'm saying? To be able to say to the little ones, the younger ones, wait a minute, where are you going? Wait a minute, what are you doing? Come and sit down, let me talk to you. Right? So you need to be listening even more carefully. Remember, the Pharisees were experts in the scriptures, and they missed it. The Holy Spirit expressly says that in the later times, some will depart from the faith. Now, <clears throat> the demons are not the teachers. The demons are not the preachers. They are influencing the teachers. The influence is, is internal, that is from the teachers, but is from an Infernal, external source. Can you see that? Hence our title, Neighbors from Hell. Now demons, how many of you know, are not actually in hell? The Bible says, where, where's the devil? In hell with a pitchfork and a tail and horns? No. The devil's not in hell. Where's the de where does Peter say the devil is? The devil's going around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, eh? You don't, have to, you don't have to trouble no one in hell. It's too late. It's too late for them, right? He's here trying to deceive us. So, demons are not actually in hell, although they will be. 
But we associate anything bad as coming from hell, right? And we probably get that from James 3.6. You can look that up later. Now these demons have crept in seemingly unawares, like tiptoeing, as it were, into the household. And rather than being doormen, like security, preventing their entrance, these false teachers, they give the demons like a VIP pass. They be like, oh you guys, yeah man, if you're on the guest list, ain't it? Yeah, safe, man, safe. These men are supposed to be shepherds. You know what I'm saying? They're supposed to be at the gate, guarding the flock, right? Protecting the flock with staff in hand. Nah. They're here handing out AAA passes to the devil, you know. Access all areas. Can you see that? Dodgy teachers. We'll see what they actually teach in verse 3 in a moment. But you've got these Arthur Daly type teachers who are being controlled by a demonic influence which is leading to the backslidden state of these believers. Sometimes these teachers are undercover. But sometimes they're in the pulpit, right? (laughs) I hope you ain't in the pulpit today. And hopefully you and I are growing in our ability to discern these frauds. See, now that's the pulpit. We know what's going on, right? But not all teaching in church comes from the pulpit. Often in a church, there are those who have never preached a Sunday morning service or Sunday afternoon service. Now don't get offended and don't get paranoid. Like thinking that I'm talking about you specifically. But if this makes you feel uncomfortable, just check your heart, innit? It's like, just examine yourself. Now, we as preachers, we have to constantly check ourselves. We have to constantly check our our hearts. And we have our hearts checked very often, even when we don't want them checked. So I'll be up here and I'll say something and someone come up to me after the service like, Oh, Pastor Rob, you know you said A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So whether I want my heart checked or not, it's going to get checked. At least, you know what I'm saying, in terms of the things that I say. But although I'm under scrutiny, and anyone else who preaches from this pulpit is going to be under scrutiny. It's funny, because Shabazz said to me yesterday, because did you know that we have about, I don't know, 150 people maybe in this room? And again, you know, 150 of you can examine me. And apparently we've got thousands of people on the internet. Um, obviously we've got a, a little podcast that goes up. And I say a little podcast because that's all I thought kind of like it was. Um, I found out from Shabazz yesterday that, you know, on iTunes they've got a religious category. Right? In, with all the other categories that they've got. We are in the top 100 of the religious programs in terms of podcasts that go out globally. We were number 66 on Friday. Yesterday, I said, Shabazz, you're lying. It wasn't even like, hmm, really? I was like, Shabazz, you're lying, bro. He checked it right there and then, and we were number 88 on the iTunes podcast list. Top 100. See, that means even if you ain't going to scrutinize us who are at the pulpit, 
there are thousands of other people out there in internet land, you know what I'm saying, that are, that are going to scrutinize us. So anything that comes out of this microphone is broadcast to the world. Now, that's one thing. On the other hand, you have those preachers in the church that don't have a big audience because they're around the corner whispering in someone's ear, preaching to one or maybe two and three. So don't think it can't happen to you. The deceived very often don't know that they're deceived. Otherwise, they wouldn't be deceived, right? And I'm up here saying it can easily happen to me if I'm not careful. And that is become a perpetrator of false doctrine or a victim of false doctrine. Remember, it happened to Peter. The same brother that I just quoted in Acts 2. The Lord Jesus asked Peter a question, right? And he says, Peter, who do men say that I am? And Simon Peter replied in Matthew 16, starting at verse 16, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You see how information is revealed to Peter from an outside external source. He says, This has been revealed to you from my Father who is heaven." In heaven, verse 21, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So verse 22, Peter took fast, right? I mean, he's just had a revelation from, from, from God, right? From the Father, Jesus says. So Peter's, I don't know, maybe he thinks he's on a roll. Verse 22, Peter took him aside. See what I'm saying? He's about to go and whisper in Jesus' ear. He says, and he began to rebuke Jesus, you know, saying, you know what, listen, I know what you just said in public there, yeah, but here what? This cross business, nah, man. Don't you see how the ministry is flourishing? How we're just getting popular? How the people are coming? You get me? But like, man like you can turn, like, Multiply loaves and fishes. Wasn't a good thing. Don't even be talking about no. This thing. This this ain't about to come to an end right now. You, you can see the conversation that Peter's having, with, whispering in his ear. Far be far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen. And notice, as I said, he takes Jesus aside. Verse twenty-three. But Jesus turned and said to Peter. I wonder if he said it out loud. Peter's got him in the corner, you know, trying to, I wonder if Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, and everyone's like, wow, what's going on? <laughs> and I wonder if sometimes that's what we need to do, just blow the trumpet on someone, like, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus says, get behind, and yet it's coming, he ain't even talking to Peter. I mean, Peter must have been there on some, I don't know, some schizophrenic, like, wait a minute. Huh? Jesus, he says, Satan. He says, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And the Christian is like, who influenced Peter to say this? And, it, you know, if you're not careful, like Jesus can divide the word of God. To, to someone who say something, and like even a garden. See, Satan 
influence Peter, the slick-talking, double-tongued serpent himself. It weren't even some agent of Satan's. It was him. personally. And you, this is Peter the apostle, walking with Jesus, working with Jesus. What, and you don't, that's Peter the apostle. You don't think it can happen to you? Now, Peter had a choice right here. He could have either rejected this heresy <laughs> that he had received by inspiration of the Spirit, the unholy Spirit, or he could have what? He could have rejected it, thank the Lord he did, right? Or he could have become devoted to it. He could have had his twisted perspective, and when Jesus rebuked him, he'd be like, how, how dare you speak to me like that? You know what? I think I'll just go to another church. And he takes with him his twisted doctrine. See, he could, have, he, could, he could have been devoted to it, the text says. He could have fostered it and developed it and begin to be led astray as a leader, ultimately, ultimately leading others astray. Can you see that? And this is what is being warned against. Yet it happens all the time. And it takes a special kind of teacher. It takes a special kind of preacher to do this. That is, devote themselves to these heretical doctrines. Look at their character description in verse 2. Through their insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. It's not a very good character description. These guys have a very, very dark side. But they're very religious. And this is scary. They are insincere, says the ESV. The King James Version says what? They're hypocrites. And they're liars. Hypocrites, what do they do? Hypocrites say one thing and they do another. Liars, what do they do? They say one thing and they mean another. This is not good. And this is their character. And it says, these individuals who are hypocrites, they're liars, their consciences are seared. I used to work in McDonald's when I was a young teenager years ago. Then back in them times, it was big collars, like stupid paper hats, and fla like flares. <laughs> and it wasn't even the material, I don't even know what kind of, some wispy polyester, what did it, what kind, what did, what kind of material was that? And we're working on the grill. We had to sear the meat in order to cook it properly. And we used to have to take this big heavy implement, you probably know if you worked in McDonald's at some point, and you'd have to press on the meat whilst it's on the hot grill, which meant that the tender, um, uncooked meat cooked thoroughly. And if you hold that searing tool long enough on that piece of meat, the meat not only cooks, 
but it begins to become hard and burnt. You ever burnt your finger on, on the iron? How many of you know it changes the composition of your skin? And if left long enough, could damage your skin to the point of destroying the nerve endings. Which means that no more feeling in that finger ever. These hypocrites, they've been saying one thing and doing another for so long. These liars have been saying one thing and meaning another for so long, their consciences are not working anymore because they're seared. You know, your conscience is that supernatural, God-given attribute that internally will disagree with you. You'll be like, yeah, man, I'm going to go over and I'm going to go and do this. And your conscience says, no, don't do that. I mean, it's one thing having someone say, what are you going to do? You're going to do, what? No, man, you shouldn't do that. But sometimes we ain't trying to hear that person. It's all right. Your conscience will deal with you. And it's that voice in your head that you can't get rid of, right? Or can you? Can you get rid of that voice? definition of the conscience is a God-given inner voice acting as a guide to the rightness or the wrongness of one's behavior. And how many of you know, if you keep overriding, and if you keep ignoring, and if you keep resisting your conscience, it will become less responsive and less responsive and less responsive to the point where it becomes silent or seared like that piece of meat and these individuals their consciences end up being seared as a result of their persistent resistance Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 says but exhort one another every 24 hours as long as it is called today that none of you may be what hardened or seared how by the deceitfulness of sin you keep on doing that the voice of the, the voice of your conscience no you resist it keep on resist you keep on resist. before you know it you think you you think you're clever well sin is cleverer sin will And, and some of us know that by experience. And from this verse, you can see why fellowship is so important. And that's why most deceivers, if you notice, they don't fellowship. They only get close when they want to whisper in your ear. And if they do fellowship, it's only with certain select people who put up with their nonsense. Because otherwise, if they come out in the open, like open fellowship, it's like, what did you, what did you just say? That's the believer who 
ain't intimidated, right? And I know we all suffer from intimidation sometimes. But in that environment, because you see, otherwise, they, they've got to stay in the corner. Otherwise, they'll be exposed. Paul mentions them in his second letter to Timothy, hopefully that we're going to come to. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, through 5, actually. He says, but understand this, says Paul, that in, remember, the last days, there's that phrase again. It's not somewhere off in the future. It's already started and we're living in the last days. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Now, this is deep. For people, now who is, who's this group of people? Don't think the world. Guess what you need to think? Church. Because this list describes quote-unquote believers. Now, listen to the list. It says, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant. Now, you may put but Paul, man, surely you can't be talking about Christians. That's exactly who he's talking about. Arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. This is, this is, this is, this is multi-generational. It's not just older people or middle-aged 20-somethings. This is even the... This is everybody. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. Now, we're going to come back to this thing about gratitude. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, Without self-control, brutal, not, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, I mean, what a list, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This is a list of people who go to church. Is there any great surprise that on that day the Lord says, sorry? Ain't no surprise if this is how they're getting down. Verse 5, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. See, God's power is effective enough to bring about change that leads to godliness. How many of you know that's called sanctification? Where we are supposed to be being changed. Like Pastor P said the other night, I think it was at prayer meeting, he says we're supposed to be changed from one state of glory, leaders meeting, one stage of glory to another stage of glory, from glory to glory, right? The work done by the Spirit of Christ for those who are his. See, and if you're not being transformed, you're not being changed, that's a denial of God's power. Now, we all feel it, don't we? We're like, Lord, I've done it again. Lord, I'm such a joker. Lord, please help me. I'm not saying that if you're struggling, you know what I'm saying, that you definitely fall into this category. I'm not saying that. But there's got to be a battle, like Pastor E said last week. There's got to be, where's the fight in us? Where's the fight in you against sin? You know what I'm saying? The writer of Hebrews says, you have not yet... Um, resisted sin to the point of shedding your blood. Don't chat to me about struggle. Don't chat to me about, you ain't fighting. You don't know what fighting is. Talk to Jesus who's there to the point where he's sweating great drops of blood. You've not resisted sin to that point. Man's like, 
come and do this. You're like, nah, man, come on. All right, then. What's that? Ain't no, ain't no struggle there. See, we have to believe that, you know what? We have to engage with the, the power of the Spirit that is able to change us so that we are not still struggling with the same things, you know what I'm saying, this time next year. And if we are, we need to say to one another, help me. Carl, you know what? See, that's... Your power must be able to change me, Lord. And, and I can't deny... Because the moment I deny that ability of your power, then it's over for me. See, genuine Christians change. But then you have those that don't change. See, are you very outwardly religious... But secretly, you're doing everything on this list. And you can be in church and get away with it, especially if you're not in fellowship. See, or are you the other person? Are you very carnal and very openly doing the things on this list? See? These are two manifestations of false religion. Paul says at the end of verse five, he said, look, he says, avoid such people. And if you continue to follow their trajectory, following those who teach this doctrine with their lips, whether it's from the pulpit or around the corner, if you follow those that that teach this doctrine with their lips or with their lives, you will depart from the faith. Because you can't keep up either of them two, see? You're either going to be a Pharisee who knows what you're doing in secret, you end up cutting your own throat like Judas, or you'll be the other person who is living a lie. Come in and you've got your church smile on. You've got your church clothes on. But you know that Monday through Saturday you're living like the devil. You can only keep that up for so long, you know. If you've got any sense, that is. You know what I mean? Because you'd be like, wait a minute. I'm fooling myself. James says, it's, you're fooling yourself. You ain't fooling God. I'm not fooling God. See, you continue in that trajectory. You won't be here next year. You'll be. He goes on in verse 6, and he says, For among them, this is the teachers, are those who creep. See, they're creeps. They creep into households and capture weak. Another translation says, silly women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. <laughs> Ever learning, never coming to the truth. Always in the environment, hearing, 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 and it's really not going in. See? So these men also oppose the truth. Oppose the truth. Yeah, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they won't get very far for their folly will be plain to all eventually. Back to our text. 
Listen to what these hypocritical teachers say. They have a a negative view of creation. Thank the Lord for one of our lecturers at Cornhill, Christopher Ash. Help me to understand this on some next level. These individuals, they have have a negative view of creation or the things that God has made. The things that God has given to be enjoyed, you know, want to take it and with their warped perspective, want to cause us not to enjoy these things that God has provided. Look at the two things that they forbid, verse 3. Who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods. This is what they say about God's good gifts. I mean, how wonderful is marriage? All right, maybe, maybe you never said, yeah, because you're going through it right now. It's all right. It's all right. You've been sanctified. <laughs> but marriage is a good thing. It's a wonderful thing, actually. I know I'm guilty always of over-exaggerating, but I can't exaggerate about something that God created and said it was good. And the other thing is, how can you hate on food? Come on now. I'll be like, yo. Now, I'm a man. I do tend most of the time to say grace when I eat my food. I'm just, I'm like, this just tastes so wonderful. You know what I mean? It's not even a religious thing. You know what I mean? Sometimes, you know, you go out with, your, with whoever. You might be in fellowshipping or go cinema or whatever. You go to eat something and you ain't even thinking. You'll just peel it back and you're straight in there. And someone gives you the eye. They're sitting there. Their food's still on the table, right? Make you feel bad. But, you know, you don't, you, you don't want to pray just because you feel bad. You want to you wanna, you wanna get that thing out. I don't know, that bowl of spaghetti or, you, you know what I mean? That, that, uh, rice and peas and, you know, curry, mutton or... Whatever it is that is your thing. At one time, Kenke. We went to Nigeria, pounded yam, and stew, you know. I said stew, but it was really just gravy. You know what I mean? It's, it, and, it's, 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 and it was chicken. It was yam and chicken, just pounded yam. It's the same thing that we eat in Jamaica. And I was there. And I tell you, it's like food is to be, it, it's to be enjoyed and God gave it to us to enjoy. How are you going to turn around and tell somebody they got to abstain from that? No. See, because what they do is they have a negative view of creation. It's called religious asceticism. See, that's the religious view that says don't taste, don't touch, don't handle if you want to be spiritual like me. No, I don't want to be sour like you. See, but, but they're hypocrites. Remember what Paul says. We know, we know that they're hypocrites because we just saw the things that they do in 2 Timothy 3 outlined in that long list. They're hypocrites because they say one thing but then they do another. It's apparently these false teachers that were sexing up these women who were struggling. They needed help. And they took advantage of them. But it's them same ones talking about, oh, marriage? No. It's better not to marry. I mean, that's one of the questions they asked in Corinth. They asked Paul. I digress. See? Here is the error. 
declaring that good things are bad. Marriage and food are things to be enjoyed, things that God created to be enjoyed. This type of religion is narrow, it's joyless, it's unhealthily strict, having an outward appearance of godliness. In Colossians 2 verse 23 it says, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made, you hear that? Self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body makes them look spiritual. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. You want to know, you want a, you want a good example? Look at the Roman Catholic Church who say that the priest mustn't marry. You can't be a priest in the Catholic Church if you're married. And what happens? You staunch or you prevent something that's completely natural like marriage and a desire for a woman, right? Amen, fellas. Amen, single men. All right. Amen, ladies. You know what I mean? You, 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 it's, it's like a cork. You push that down, it's going to pop up somewhere else. So here they go. Do you know once a week, they say, the Roman Catholic Church are covering up priests having sex with little, little, little boys. One, there's one every week. The Catholic Church are bleeding financially because of lawsuits and covering stuff up. You, you, you suppress something that's natural, that's, that's wonderful. You suppress that, it's going to come out in abnormal, unnatural ways. Marriage is a good thing. See? And, and the thing is, because you're oppressing it, you think, oh, it's making me spiritual. It's not making you spiritual. Look at the unspiritualness just coming out some next, in some next area. It's wickedness. It don't, it, don't, it don't make you no more spiritual. Marriage and food are things that we should enjoy. See the, you see the categories? It's things that God has created. Without going to either extreme on, on, on the issue. Obviously, with food, you've got to enjoy it, but easy. Don't enjoy it too much, right? See, either extreme is dangerous. And I think I might have mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. I know I've been on a journey like music. You talked to me 15 years ago about music. I was that guy. You can't, right? You can only see if you're watching the video, right? I was like, I was like anything that was that never had Jesus up in the bar, up in the lyrics. I think I told you already. I don't want my kids porting. They could not listen to no secular music in the house, like for years. And I was, I was, I was, I was acting in this spirit. And the thing is, you know what? It's like. Stop them from, I'm not trying to hook my kids up, but any of you, I mean, I know it personally. No, the pastor, he knows it personally because he said when he, when he became a Christian, he was in church. You know what I'm saying? He began to church in his suit and his shiny boot. And he'd, and, but, but he'd hear, run the MC. You know what I mean? And he'd be like, oh, it'd be, it'd be like calling him. But then his grandma would be dragging him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know them ones. And, and it's like, I'm at a point now where I would say, you know what? And this is me trying to get the, what, the, the, the balance, what they call the via media. Remember, try not to go to either extreme. There's some secular music that I would argue is all right to listen to. You can buy that album and not necessarily feel bad about it unless your conscience personally is aggrieved 
You know what I'm saying? And then you've got to be very careful because if your conscience is saying, allow it, like my conscience said to me when I first got saved, I was a DJ. My conscience was like, you can't keep playing them records, Robert. So I just stopped fighting it and I got rid of my records. But what would be dangerous now if I, say, if I start to say, all right, look. <laughs> you know what? You see them records that you got? That secular music. What are you playing? What you, what you got on your iPod, fam? And I start becoming like inspector. You get me? I start becoming like police in the place, chatting about you mustn't do that. You mustn't listen to that. Excuse me. Is it Romans 13? You know what I mean? Romans 14? Thank you. We've got to be careful. What, what may be a conviction for you? Easy. Music was created by God, was it not? I'm saying the balance has got to be, you know what, there's some music that you can listen to. But come on now. Let's just be frank and honest. There's some music that you can't listen to. I ain't trying to be a legalist. I ain't trying to be a Pharisee. But come on now. I just ain't had time to think about some good examples. Me and Mrs. Jones. I take it back because I don't know what's current. Me and Mrs. Jones. When I put that on, me and Mrs. Jones. We got a thing going on. Right? I mean, it's wonderful music. You can't, I'm not going to front. Don't front. Don't be, don't be a Pharisee now. Easy now. Don't front. The music is sweet. But you know what? Wait a minute. Me and Mrs. Jones. <laughs> Fam, you flopped the track. <laughs> you mash up the tune. And that was one that just had to go, innit? Come on now. That's adultery. It's adultery. No matter how you look at it, it's adultery. Now, he ain't going to sing that. Because the devil's whispering in his ear like, yo. See, music is one of the good things that God has provided for us. Can't hate on that. God created it. So let's enjoy that which is enjoyable and godly and reject the rest. And keep a balance. Don't go to one extreme or the other. See? Now, all right, we've got to wrap up. So, what is the remedy for not being caught in either of these religious extremes, right? Where you knock yourself out, you listen to anything, or you're over in that. I had it the other way, didn't I? You're over here like, you can't listen to that. And you're over here, so you can listen to anything, man. Don't make nobody judge you. Do your thing. What's the remedy of, being, of not being caught in either extreme? Well, it's the way that we receive God's good gifts. Marriage and food, verse 3, are things that should be received how? Thank you, Tim. With thanksgiving. By those who, check it, by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. See, there's a funny story about a couple in their 60s, if I can remember it. And they're celebrating their anniversary. And as they're celebrating the anniversary, out pops this fairy. 
And the Pharisee says to the man and the woman, remember they're in their 60s, because you're celebrating your 40th anniversary, any wish, and I'll make it come true. So she turns to the woman, is that any wish, and you, and you can have it. And she's like, can we go to Hawaii? Me and my husband go to Hawaii for our anniversary. And the, and, and the fairy's like, ding, they're in Hawaii. Like, wow. So she, the fairy's like, all right, that's your one wish. The fairy turns to the man and says, all right, now you've got one wish. And he's like, hmm. He's like, what, what, one wish. He's like, boy, I've got to make sure that I use this well because one. He's like, you know what? Looks across at his wife. Straight. He goes, I want to be married to a woman that's 30 years younger. And the fairy said, okay. Ding. Guess what? Here he is, 92 years old. You've got to be careful especially when you're talking to a genie who's female, if you're a man, right? <laughs> but what an ungrateful brother. His wife was on it. It's like, often when presented with options, the temptation for all of us is to be selfish. And if we're being selfish, guess what? We're not being grateful. We're not being grateful, we're not being thankful. And I often find myself thinking about myself and being selfish more than thinking about others, which means I'm not actually being, you can't be thankful and selfish at the same time. Both of them, they're mutually exclusive. And to, as we come to a conclusion, Romans 1 verse 21 says, and this is, this is talking about those that are not grateful. And for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became, look at the result. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. We grab the gift but turn our back on the giver. We wake up in the morning, get in the shower, get up and open the fridge full of food, take that out, fix that up, gobble it down, don't even take a minute and say, jump in the car, it's raining. We was talking about this yesterday. It might be raining. Right? You come out the house, it's raining. Oh, it's raining. What's wrong with this country, man? Jump, <laughs> jump in the car. Was it, was it um, Will? I said 5%. Will said 3% of the population of the world have a car. We're so... We don't even stop for a moment. Great. Food ain't the only thing I'm supposed to stop and say, Lord, thank you for I need to stop every minute of the day and thank God for all the good things that he's provided for me. A lie? Oh, there's so much to say about that. See? Ingratitude is a sin. And it will lead to a badly affected heart. So get rid of bad religion. And be grateful for the good things that God has provided. Don't go to either extreme. Those are telling you you can do what you want to do and get away with it because of God's grace. No. Do we continue in sin that grace should abound? God forbid. God forbid. See, and don't go to the other extreme. Those who tell you you can't do anything. You can't watch telly. You can't have a drink. You know what I'm saying? Dare not talk about the pleasure of sex. Yo. You think it's just food you're supposed to give thanks for before you partake? Oh my gosh. Man, we're like, 
Hallelujah. Man, they're giving thanks on some next level, right? Oh my gosh. As he's beginning to prepare to enjoy it. The wife of his youth. What? Start. Wanna start reading? What is it? You wanna start reading Song of Solomon? You mad? Oh my God! Man, be like, King of Kings. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! A lie? Oh my gosh! I'm saying. See, don't listen to those who will tell you that you can't. Enjoy these things. It's God's creation. God gave it. We must enjoy it. Chatting about how dare you talk about the enjoying those frivolities. No, no bruv. It's like swing from the chandeliers, man. See, those two different extremes, they're both religions. And both of them will kill you because no person in their right mind can live in those extremes. And you know what I'm saying? And you walk away. You depart from the faith because that's not true religion. It's not. Subscribe to either of those religions and you won't be around next year. My rap's too severe, kicking mad flavor in your ear. <laughs> I couldn't resist that. Probably 90% of you don't even know what that was, right? Some of you know it was Craig Mack. Flavor in your ear, 1994. Oh my gosh. See, now some of you are like, what, what, what did he say? Craig Mack? What's that, hip-hop? What? See, don't listen. <laughs> don't listen to the voice of the neighbors from hell. Amen? Amen. All right, we need to stop now, otherwise we ain't going to stop. <clears throat> you know what I'm going to do? Watch this. Before we pray, right, can I ask you, right, right where you are, right, because we got this thing where we're trying to change here at South London, and I, I know, I've been long, right, I don't even know how long I've been. Um, we're trying to change, and that's one of the things we're trying to change. But one of the things we really want to see happen is, 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 is us being able to apply what we're hearing, what we're learning. And I could be up here sweating, running up and down, you know what I mean, like a lunatic, getting excited and trying to share this stuff and teach it. And you know what I mean? And you're sitting there like, yeah, okay, well, what, like, whatever. I don't want to take it for granted that you're going to leave not really thinking about what we just talked about. So I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to be led astray. So I'm going to try and help you a little bit. And I'm going to give you an introduction to what we do at Community Group. Can you turn just to the person next to you? It might be, might be two of you. It might be three of you. Don't move, you know what I'm saying? But try and do it with someone next to you. Now, I'm sorry. You might be a visitor. You'd be like, hmm, I am not coming back to this church. <laughs> I would hope that you wouldn't think that because this is what this is about. If you've come to church, this is what it's about. And so you might have got a real good, clear picture of what goes on. I'm just going to ask you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to just answer one question. The question is, what can you think about that you haven't really given thanks for? Think about three things, really briefly, that you really don't give much attention to, have never really... You know what, really, I should be thanking God for 
for these things. Now I'm saying, just take a minute and say to that person next to you, well, you know what, there's this, there's that. One of the things I know I tend not to thank God for and complain about is my family. You know how precious that is to have family? You know what I mean? That's some, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm going to ask you just to take a minute. Just, just lean over to the person next to you. I brought some mints and some sweets because I thought maybe if we handed them out, because I know that's one of the big things for me. I'd be like, oh my gosh, ran out the house, never ate no breakfast. I, brushed, I, I did or I didn't brush my teeth and now I'm here and I've got to turn to this person and talk to them. They're at the back there somewhere and I, and I never gave no one no instructions, so forgive me. Um, I'm sorry if that's a problem. But just turn to someone next to you and just, <laughs> if someone's got, I mean, who ain't got bad breath? Come on now. Thank you. We all got bad breath. So turn to someone and just say, you know, hey, <clears throat> something you can give thanks for. <clears throat> Is there anyone on their own I can talk to? Let me come and sit here. I said family. What did you guys say? Amen. So I said, what? Did I say three things? That's why you guys are still talking, right? I should have just said one. Um, wow. Is that encouraging? <clears throat> now, now, you see what's happening here now? This is just a little taste of what happens in community group. And I mean, where we get a chance to talk about things, to talk about the word, and, and I mean, it's interactive, and then we get a minute to... Hopefully, what you've just done is you've applied what we've looked at. And I'm saying, rather than just be, I'll just continue to go on, maybe ungratefully, we took a minute to say, wow, Lord, look at what your word says. Look at what it says about being ungrateful and where it leads, but being grateful and being thankful for the good things that you've provided. Lord, let me take a minute just to give you thanks. So all of the things that you were thinking about, that hopefully you were talking about, shall we take a minute? Home improvement. Let's take a minute. (laughs) Neighbors from hell. Let's take a minute just to thank the Lord for all of that stuff that you just did. Shall we do that? Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for for helping us in some way, shape, or form to, to, to understand that gratefulness and gratitude can help us Especially, Lord, when we have different perspectives in the name of Jesus pulling on us, trying to get our attention, trying to, trying to, trying to persuade us. Lord, we see that, that a part of the remedy for that is, 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 is looking at you and listening to you and responding, whether it's a family or friends or a job that we might have or a nice home that we may have or... We, we, we may have, Lord, there's a multiplicity of things, Lord, the things that have all been mentioned. Lord, would you, would you help us to be thankful for those things because you've provided them for us and we can enjoy them. They're given by you to enjoy richly. And it's one of the things that, Lord, will be a remedy for false teaching when it comes in telling us you can't enjoy this and you can't enjoy that, that asceticism. We don't want it, Lord. We want to live full, enjoyable lives 
And Lord, for those who are at the extremes, I pray that you bring them into the middle, Lord. Bring them from them extremes. Help us not to be pharisaical and finger-pointing and always finding fault. And there's, we point one finger at others and there's four fingers pointing back at us. Or three. Lord, help us not to go to the other extreme where, you know what I'm saying, we have the things that you've provided, but we, we're abusing them and abusing ourselves in the process. Help us to find that balance, Lord, so that we can enjoy the life that you've provided, all these things you've provided, Lord, for us to enjoy. Help us to do that, I pray and bring glory to your name and others will be invited into this wonderful wonderful realm that we exist in Lord help us I pray speak between the lines Lord God for Jesus sake Amen Amen Amen. Father thank you that not only do you give us all good things to enjoy you give us all good things to enjoy to the glory of God Yes Help us to do that, Lord. Help us not to see you as an ogre. Help us to see you as a father, a loving father at that. I thank you that you, Father, protect us. Thank you that the Lord Jesus is our great shepherd and he, protect us. he protects us from error. He protects us from the wolf, from the devil. Lord, protect us from false doctrine from false teaching. Our desire, Lord, is to, is to know you and to live full lives to the glory of God. We ask, Father, for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Oh, oh everyone's standing. <laughs> She's supposed to pray with your eyes open, like Daniel. What does it say in the Bible? You should pray with your eyes closed. Anyway. So now, brethren... I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shall we say the grace together? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now evermore. Amen. To find out more about us, visit our website at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at CC South London. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.